Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Amid the world of nutrition dogma and meal prep ease lives this week's guest, Richard Bradford of True Fair. He's just the kind of guy you want in your corner because while he's attentive to individualized food sensitivities, he adheres to the number one rule of Power Athlete Nutrition. Don't be weird. In this episode, Chef Bradford talks about the challenges and joys of creating tasty meals for even the most critical of clients. When you take something like the paleo diet and observe the iterations over time, you can't help but draw some parallels to another taboo topic with divisive ideologies. So if you're out there, lost in a grocery store aisle, searching for answers, just ask yourself, what would Jesus eat? And then double it, because from all of the photographs I've seen, he wasn't exactly jacked. This is episode 298. This is our whisper episode. Episode 292. Where are you whispering? Eight ninety eight. We always promised that we were going to whisper an episode. I don't no, think. No, four, no we never promised. No, we that. never did. No, we never promised. Shh, that. You guys. No, no, you didn't. No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> but you can imagine what it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> on the premier podcast in, in strength, strength and, and conditioning. conditioning. Ing, 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 ing. That's right, people. We're coming at you. It's another week. We're still doing this. Man, John, <laughs> who would have you thought? You sound surprised. <laughs> like, uh, nobody's more surprised than me. Where I'm like, we have another podcast. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, wow. you know, it was a, it was a, it was a nice, crisp night in Arizona. We had just finished a seminar, and we were doing one of our best repeaters, talking about uh, one of the attendees was a son of a bitch. Tex was in the back seat. Callie was in the back seat laughing, and we just kept saying the same joke over and over again. Remember this? Is that? Oh yeah, no, we were referring to Russell Berger. Son of a bitch. He's a, a and son, Russell Berger is a rotten son of a bitch. And Tex couldn't take it anymore. And you know the best and part you, is? He, Tex blew up and he's like, you're saying the same joke. It's not funny. And we just, no, the record I did not say that. Like, I did not say that. Like, what do you mean it's not funny? It's always funny. That's not. Because Russell Berger is down. a son of a bitch. But it was, we introduced Tex to like beating a dead horse and the repeater and things better. If you want to survive in this racket, you better yeah, the, enjoy yourself with each and every time, more and more with each and every time you repeat something. Yeah. So here we are repeating this fucking sh- podcast <laughs> for the whoa, and, and whoa, whoa, whoa. I, and I, I'm I, having I, the time I, of my life, people. I don't like your hostility right now. There's well, a lot a, of hostility. It was a down up. I was going down and then back up because we're bringing another episode your way. And can I defend myself? No. Okay, please. From in 2012, John, what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> in 2012, <laughs> operating off the comedy rule of thirds. After the third. It stops getting funny, but I didn't realize that after the 30th, it starts getting funny again. You just got to wait till you get to 298. <laughs> yeah. You should listen to Hey, I dare everybody out there to go listen to Power Athlete Radio episode three. What is that episode? Where to find it? It's probably like me, Denny Kay, and Steve Playtech talking about what fucking nanos are the best for climbing. Well, you know, I didn't even come on until like episode 297. <laughs> I don't even think I, I hey, nobody buddy, knows. I'll tell you what, you, you got a pretty solid track record here. We know that last year you were one of the most downloaded episodes, episode 260. And uh, you keep up that type of performance. You might make yourself the co-host. <laughs> no, 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 I'm special. I'm special guest. Coco host. <laughs> I'm special guest. Featured guest. Oh, fe- I thought I was special Featuring guest. Featuring CEO. No, Power the special guest is Richard today, ah. featuring John Wellborn. Yeah, gotcha. John Wellborn. No, that's just the French guy. 
So ladies and gentlemen, that was literally three minutes of n absolutely no value statements at all. What are we going to tell these folks now? What, are they, well, what should they check out in Power Athlete Universe? Uh, Johnny Bot. Well, Johnny Bot is hot. I mean, Johnny Bot is hot. And if you haven't heard of Johnny Bot, mm -hmm. Johnny Bot is the bolt-on accessory program to any program, but was designed specifically for Johnny Football, a.k.a. Johnny Wad. So one of the requests that we got going into the mm -hmm. new year was the people on Johnny Wad. Let's just wanted. tell them the truth. Tex wants bigger arms, and he asked John for help. Yeah, so we put a bunch so of programming together. toothpick pipe cleaner arms over there. So if you want huge cannon arms, massive cannonball delts, and... A bicep pain that Westbourne. just won't quit. <laughs> and, and big traps, check out Johnny Bod. That's right, people. Four days a week, John? Uh, five days. Five days a week. Mm -hmm. Bolt-on hypertrophy work for your training to give you a spicy finisher that's just going to give you a bicep vein that like literally you'll be in a movie theater and a guy's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, Hey bro, nice bicep vein. So I had weights at my house and uh, before I'd go out, I'd always give myself a little bit of 10 minute, a little bit of arm yeah, work, a little, yeah, a little bit of curl, a little bit of trap, a little front extension inside, you know, side raises the whole deal. And, uh, it ended up playing good dividends because one day I went to go out and I didn't even have to work out anymore. I was, I had a Prima pump. Oh, I love it. If pumped. you're interested, if you think you need that pump, I don't. My bicep vein is screaming. Uh, that's a lie. I'm going to follow it. That's part of the whisper. Go to johnnywad.com. johnnywad.com, learn more about Johnny Bod. Now, let's say you're not an athlete looking for a huge bicep pump, and you're looking for a brain pump. Like a brain, uh, like a brain bomb? What, what, Knowledge what could, bomb? What could our listeners do for a brain bomb? Head to Academy. PowerAthleteHQ.com for the Power Athlete Methodology Level 1 at your own pace. That's the bomb Online going off. course. What semester are we on? Eight. Wow. Semester two years going on two eight. years of Dude, dropping knowledge. The, uh, the methodology, I mean, I, everybody I've talked to, you know, from, um, you know, Hugh Jackman to Chris Pratt, pretty much anybody in the Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, believes that the methodology is by far the most valuable thing in performance training today. Mm, a lot of astronauts as well. I believe he's Neil Armstrong. Yeah, Neil Armstrong. He's also talked about but, how great the methodology course is. Buzz Aldrin loved it. But in all seriousness, people, you are looking at nine lessons over four hours of video lecture. We have a fucking killer workbook. Previous podcast guest, Ben Crookston, who was on just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he, he read a, he read that thing cover to cover. What was, what he was, where was he traveling? I forget, but he literally, he closed it. Cleveland. And, and he hit up McQuilkin and I on text. He's like, dudes, why didn't you send me this book sooner? He's like, this is the type of personality, the content that this industry needs right now, right? So that's what we're doing. We're kicking in the door. We're providing a no bullshit, just straight to the answers. We're not trying to make it over fucking complicated. We're teaching you how to be a better coach. We're in an, an engaging way. Yes. It's not that boring mumbo jumbo. It is some hot, hot strength and conditioning info. So if you are interested, head to Would Academy. you say strength and conditioning? Ing. 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 <laughs> I would, John. Thanks for noticing, <laughs> Ing, Ing, that I missed that. <laughs> Academy.powerathletehq.com. Now, enough about us. Let's talk about the special guest today, Richard Bradford, executive chef. This dude was went to Georgia Tech, right? Georgia Tech, and then on to CIA, so the Culinary Institute of America, after he got his business degree. 
Yeah, and then pretty interesting story was just whipping up croissants and pasta for a whole bunch of butterballs, and then he found himself. Wait, don't call Jerome Bettis a butterball. <laughs> well, have you ever seen Jerome Bettis? Yeah, they, well, I've also seen Maurice Jones-Drew. They oh. call Jerome Bettis the Butter Bus now. They used to call him the Bus, and now he's the Butter Bus. Ooh, Butter Bus! I could get on. I could be bored of that bus. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the Butter Bus is uh, the yeah. What the? No. Well, well the reason they used to call him the Bus is because he had big hips. So now he's buttery big hips. So mm. I wonder how much the Bus weighs. We should look him up. And while you're looking that up, text. I'm mentioning 300. We're going to jump into a chat with Richard Bradford, executive chef, and and uh, he's working through a meal delivery service right now uh, called True Fair, which looks super tasty. He talks to us about the challenges of the business, how we got into this paleo deal. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool story. Awesome, awesome fucking conversation. Text. What is 251 pounds? Yeah, bullshit. 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 5'11", 250. I bet you put a three where that two is, you're probably right. Enough about us. Enough about the butter bus. <laughs> Let's get on to it, people. Another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing, ing, ing. Let's go and let's talk to Richard. Richard, enough about us, man. What's going on? Give our listeners a little bit of background. Who are you? What are you into? Uh, you know, and then what do you do for a living? Yeah, so um, I have a prepared meal business in Atlanta that I started back in 2012. Um, it's tied around the paleo diet and, you know, we'll, we'll get into why I started it. I'm, I'm sure on this call. Uh, but what we do is we make, uh, prepared meals from scratch and we source from, uh, trusted farmers and, um, and all organic produce and produce individually packaged meals that we ship nationwide to our customers. They're in all 50 States. Um, we are, uh, compliant with not only the paleo diet, but the whole 30, uh, the ketogenic lifestyles and autoimmune protocol. Um, so basically, uh, I mean, one, one of the biggest, uh, customer bases and, and markets that we've served has, uh, was the whole 30 market. It was, and is the whole 30 market. And, um, I had a unique, um, in with with uh, that community being the uh, co-author of the whole 30 book the uh, the flagship book and um that was basically a result of me catering a luncheon at a crossfit gym for dallas melissa hartwig back uh when i first got into the paleo diet uh they were in atlanta and the uh, box owner had tapped us to do the lunch and Melissa Hartway uh, gave me a call to vet me as a, you know, a, a provider of these meals. You're like, okay, we need uh, no dairy, no grains, uh, no added sugars. I was no like, fun. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, but that's what we do. And, yeah. uh, and she's like, oh yeah, the no like, fun diet. Yeah, yeah, let me get that. She's one. like, you're kidding, right? And she's like, nobody says that's what we do. And uh, but you know, so we we did that lunch in, and then I connected through. Uh, connected to them through networking and um, found myself flying around the country with them uh, pro providing lunches at their seminars. And uh, we grew that relationship, became a whole 30 approved vendor, one of the original ones. And, um, and that, uh, that led to them asking me to come on to co-author their, their flagship book. Nice man. Yeah, so I, man, my, my background is a chef. Um, I mean, I, I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, and um, and 
after school, I, I started a catering business that I ran for eight years. And that was kind of, um, you know, what led me towards the paleo diet, the, uh, the, the lifestyle of being a caterer and making indulgent food, especially kind of a French classical French food uh, that that I did for all those years, late nights, lousy uh, lifestyle and food choices um, kind of had its wear and tear on me. And so when I uh, discovered, you know, clean eating and the paleo diet specifically, it changed my health in like three months. So I went all in on it and said, all right, this is the kind of food that I need to be making my, my customers because I think that I'm poisoning them if I'm not, you know, focusing on this. And uh, most of my customer base just said, good luck. Bye. Huh. <laughs> and uh, but uh, the CrossFit community was uh, they welcomed me with open arms at the same time. So because nobody was serving them. And uh, this is back in 2011 when I kind of just made this changeover from a caterer to, you know, focused uh, primarily on the pa- on the uh, paleo meals and doing them prepared. Started in Atlanta and serviced all the Atlanta CrossFit gyms there. I think it was like 26 at the time. It's probably like 150 now. Um, and uh, and from there, um, I, I formed a new venture and we started shipping nationwide. So Richard, go back to, so how did, how did you trip and stumble upon paleo? Were you a CrossFitter? Did you go to CrossFit gym? You know, um, I was privy to a CrossFit gym. A guy who was working with me at the time uh, had introduced me to the paleo diet as a, as an option. We were looking at, we we're looking at plant-based, we we're looking at paleo, um, you know, just a cleaner way of eating, but uh, what's the vehicle for, you know, for, you know, like, I mean, a choosing a lifestyle, uh, and then the vehicle making it prepared to make it easy. But the introduction to paleo, I mean, it, I mean, it was, you know, back to um, it was a, a, another chef who worked uh, with me. And then when I started going to the CrossFit gyms, I was, you know, they had already adopted, and I was, and I was like, let me give this a try. Um, and then I, I read um, first. It was Lauren Cordain's book. Um, uh, the paleo diet. And, you know, I couldn't shoot any holes in it when I read it. And, you know, I think, I think that, you know, he and Rob Wolf were kind of like the original, you know, gurus. And as it turns out, a uh, um, you know, another catering client had done like the seminal research on it as well. And, um, and so I kind of found myself, I was like, this is a, this is, this all makes sense. Let me give it a try. And I'm pretty impulsive by nature. So I was just like, all right, let me go all in on this. Um, you know, because I don't think you're really going to get the data out of something unless you like truly try it. I mean, like the, okay, I'm 80, 20 paleo. That was, you know, kind of yeah, like, but that was Cordain's deal. Uh, Cordain's deal was the 80, 20 and you can still have diet Coke and some things. So he didn't, he wasn't as far, I guess you could say left is what you see with whole 30. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that that's probably what, you know, help me appreciate and not be, you know, put off by the whole thirties kind of very rigid approach. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not a walking, talking 365 day whole 30 year. Uh, but I do think that, you know, if you're going to, um, you know, maximize the results, I mean, you know, I mean, if you have that in you to, to be so, so strict, you know, I mean, I think that they, they kind of take you down that course and, show you how good you can be. I mean, and you know, what you can, um, 
accomplished by that because I mean, you're kind of like you're, you're cleaning your slate and then you reintroduce the foods to see if you have a, a positive or negative reaction. So sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember when uh, I did a speaking uh, or um, engagement with, or with Cordain in 2009 and I had read his book and like, there were some things that uh, I didn't necessarily agree with. And I remember as I was asking him questions, he was getting kind of feisty and wanted to fight me. Like, uh, I was like, man, like, uh, limiting salt was kind of one of the big ones. And the other one was saturated fat. He was kept on about these lean meats. And I, mm-hmm. I come from, uh, like Mauro de Pasquale's background where, you know, Mauro did my diet in like 99. And if you've ever read the anabolic diet or any of that, it was always very saturated fat heavy. Like you want to have a healthy energy profile, you got to eat saturated fat. And so it was funny arguing with Cordain about that and then asking him about dairy and, uh, and I remember Rob was sitting there and like, Rob was like, this old man's going to fucking bite you, dude, if you don't stop. And so I kind of stopped poking the bear a little bit, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and even like, um, his book and then, you know, reading Rob's it's, it's been, uh, pretty interesting to see like almost like different, I guess you could call like different sects of religion in a lot of ways from like something like whole 30, which is very rigid on one side. And then as you kind of get into this paleo thing, you kind of find these I guess it's like adherence, like how, like what people think is involved, how it all goes. And so it's become this, uh, I guess, kind of almost like a personal deal. Like how far do you mm-hmm. want to go with it? And I think there's some people, like you said, for the whole 30 that almost need to get this far, this rigid and then kind of come back just right, to kind of to, give them a set yeah, point. Yeah. And so it's been really, really fascinating to see it over the last 10 years, what, what's happened with it. Yeah, I mean, I um, I was definitely witness to a lot of that you know, almost infighting, uh, that came along with, um, you know, the, 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 the thinking heads of the, the paleo space. And, um, you know, even to the point where they were like, okay, maybe we should just rebrand paleo because that's just, it's losing its luster and it's becoming more antagonistic to say we're paleo now. I mean, I remember that, you know, they were considering doing that for the big, you know, the paleo FX, um, symposium as well. And, um, you know, I mean, Melissa Hartwig is a a recovering addict. And I think that, you know, that, um, I mean, I, you know, that and many other experiences I have with addiction that, um, you know, it's kind of a, you have to go all in. And I think that that by that design, Mm -hmm. um, you know, gives, gives people, you know, something to really strive for, um, you know, and I mean, for, 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 for true, you know, chemical addiction, substance addiction, you know, it's a life or death thing. So, but I mean, I think that profile applied in, in the food space. I think that's the kind of the lens that she had when she was, you know, she was crafting it with her ex-husband. Well, wasn't she also, uh, I believe pretty religious. So I, I always thought that she was kind of a born again. So I remember like when I met Dallas and Melissa, I I got that impression from them. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I kind of looked at and said, hey, you know, for somebody, and I think she told, she gave me the, uh, the ex, or that she was a former addict. And I think that, like, kind of that rigidity, um, you know, as you know, man, it's like you said, you got to go all in. So with that type of stuff. So I, I, I had an opportunity. I spoke at AHS in 2012, and I got a huge mm-hmm. chance to sit and talk to them about what they were doing and how they got their start and uh, what they were planning on doing. I thought it was pretty fascinating because I said I thought that there was definitely a market for people that needed that level of, like, commitment associated with it. But I, that was just an observation. I didn't know if they were like uh, born agains or, but I got a little bit of that from them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've prayed with them before over a meal, uh, but I, I, I guess for investigated uh, that, I mean, I think that she's truly spiritual um, I, where um, 
I'm I'm definitely not sure where uh, where Dallas is on his walk. I mean, I I myself is am a a, a follower of Christ, but um, I mean it's you know it's something that I, I guess we just didn't unpack when we were when we spent our time together. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I always uh, I always enjoy the paleo talk, especially with people that are real devout, because I'm always like, all right, let's get into this paleo thing 40,000 years ago. And I like to always fucking poke the bear. And I'm like, I've read the Bible six, seven thousand years. And so I always joke like with Rich Froning and that. I mean, I, anybody that fits within that space, I just think it's uh, it's just a funny, funny way to poke the bear and at least start some some banter and a little bit of, of humor, because I uh, I figure if we can't laugh at any, everything, then let's laugh at nothing. But um, no, I oh, totally agree, you know, so but the uh, yeah. uh, I think, um, you know, what sucks about the paleo deal, uh, at least for mine and like I know Rob's perspective is uh, it was such had such good information. And I mean, there's a we just recently were watching a uh, pretty interesting video that Michael Rose had on fruit flies and he did it at AHS and it was this idea that they went through and he raises fruit flies and kind of goes through generations and fed them different diets and one of them was the ancestral diet and talked about health and longevity being this major key factor and I've always thought like for the for the majority and at least for myself personally uh, the foods that fit within the paleo diet are by far the ones that I would select any day. And they're the majority of foods that I've eaten most of my life. And I remember when Rob and I first started talking about the paleo diet, it was very similar to what Mauro had talked about, you know, back all those years ago. And uh, it's just how I would choose to eat. And I think it's funny when people backlash against it. And um, I always could never figure out why there was always so much infighting for these kind of different sects or like these kind of like, you know, drawing these small kind of arbitrary lines in the sand where I'm like, man, this is just eating good, real food. Like, um, and I, I could never figure out whether it was people wanting to carve out their little fiefdoms, like, hey, this is what I do, and trying to distinguish themselves, opposed from just being like, let's just eat some real food, uh, let's venture out and try to fix some autoimmune issues, and just really just survive on the good stuff that's happened with it, opposed from this like weird kind yeah, of splitting s- hairs over but, fucking almonds. But um, yeah, and people do, and that was a crazy thing. It's like, oh, we like. I was that guy, man. Like, I know. I'm but, looking back, I was like, because I went to the whole nine. When it was back at when it was oh, whole it's whole nine, nine. yeah, they were yeah. just developing the yeah. whole thirty. Uh, I went to one of the seminars What's, with Dallas and Melissa. What's and the you, they and, just added twenty one foods. No, no, and <laughs> no, then uh, and then at at my <laughs> seminar that Luke was at, you asked me about the whole thing yeah. with like, hey, you shouldn't consume carbohydrate mm-hmm. pre workout because you don't want elevated insulin levels during a workout and i was like wait a minute that's not correct because we have non-mediated glucose uptake which effectively will drop blood sugar if you've eaten you know the minute you start exercising Mm -hmm. that's how people in type 1 type 2 diabetes control their blood sugar and so like that was pretty interesting that uh and i was like where'd you get that and i think you told me Mm -hmm. whole nine uh so richard i don't know maybe you can correct me if you know the the heritage here but whole nine was like the original kind of platform it was like nine foundations to like live a healthier life one of which was nutrition and their nutrition plan was like a 30-day uh kind of kind of like reset uh, reintroduce dude, like richard was saying okay. you you go really strict and you start to reintroduce things like uh uh grains nuts dairy ch- things like that like just one by one to determine if you have an adverse effect to it and um Shocker. and then whole 30 blew up because man it's one of the big 
the biggest things get, that can affect change in terms yeah. of you know oh, weight man. loss, life, health, performance. If you can start to dial that in, if you're coming from a fucking garbage can diet where all yeah, you're but, eating is uh, ho-hos and pizzas and shit. Yeah, I mean, but but I I think this is part of like what we've seen is that people look for these wholesale changes. Like that's why it's like things like Whole Thirty work. And I mean, surprisingly, look how many people are like, oh, I've, I you know, even though we know it's a fucking scam. Uh, no offense on the vegan plant based stuff, but it's like all of a sudden these people go and they're like, hey, I've I've eaten this vegan diet and I feel amazing. And it's like, well, it's probably not because the vegan diet, but you're not eating fucking dog shit every day out yeah. of a vending machine. And so it's like, you know, now all of a sudden they're sleeping better, light, you know, and they, very few people just make one life change. Mm -hmm. They usually make like a wholesale series of life changes. And then all of a sudden they're feeling better on the backside. Mm -hmm. But I was like, back then I was that guy, Richard, that neat, like I just wanted these, these <laughs> parameters to follow yeah. and I wanted it to be time sensitive. I needed to know, like, I, don't, I was just so I'm, spun up, man. I was well, crazy. I'm looking at these whole nines. These don't look arguable at all. What do you mean? Sleep, eat, good food, move your body, handle your stress, connect with others, go get outside, you be you, play it, have some fun, and own your choices. But it's evolved since then, Tex. So well, the no, that thing. actually sounds like a recipe yeah. for life. Just, yeah, yeah, sounds pretty good. Yeah, don't steal. Put that one in there, too. That would be a good one. Oh, that's 10. That's whole 10. Oh, that's whole 10. That's a different one. <laughs> I'm going to jump on that URL <laughs> right now. Uh, but um, so, so, Richard, how, how has it evolved then since you've since you've gotten involved? You were in kind of in, in 2011, started with the meals, got involved with the book and the flagship book. And then, you know, how has it evolved over the last nine years? So I, um, I'm sorry, it kind of uh, went out for a second. How is my, um, how is the whole 30 evolved? Or yeah, yeah, my yeah, whole 30 and your involvement. And then, and then I guess we could also get into, um, you know, your business and prepared meals. Sure. So, um, I mean, as far as the evolution of the whole 30 and you're touching on the whole nine really being, you know, I mean, it was a whole nine seminar and the whole 30 was the challenge. That was kind of like the takeaway from the seminar. Right. So, um, you know, that was the delivery. And, um, and when I connected with them, the whole 30 was, you know, that, that, that was still hosted on the whole nine life website, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it was, you know, blog posts are going out and, you know, but it, I mean, it started getting a viral success and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to kind of create a, it's, it's taking on a life of its own. And, um, you know, it, there hasn't been, you know, in, in my mind, monumental changes. I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the program has evolved. I mean, it was it was funny when white potatoes were green lighted and 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 somehow blessed into you know the the <laughs> protocol uh, and uh, oh, you know, the humanity it was one of those things that oh my god that like you know that that everybody was turning over you talking about infighting in the oh. in the space you know John you were touching on that and you know like I mean and I think I would draw similarities right into uh, you know religious um, sects yeah because you know and they were in, instead of kind of like taking the you know the message of um, of health and clean food like you know in 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 my religion the, the message of love loving your neighbor as really paramount you know you're like you're fucking going nuts over like this stuff about like when when was when was the earth you know when did it pop into existence you know and and you know like i mean how are we going to how are we going to um 
true up all this data from, you know, that was, that was passed along in, in oral tradition, you know, so in, in the, in the food space, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, you know, pitch my tent here and, you know, I got to figure out how to defend, you know, what I have, you know, just, a, you know, shown is this, this is my application of clean food. So, I mean, like all these things started getting born out of it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm going to eat a little bit tangentially from like, how is the whole 30 developed? I can't, and I'm not, I'm not a spokesman for how the whole 30 is developed per se from the book. Like, I mean, I was a hired gun to do, to make the, the meals, I mean, to make the, the recipes in the book and, and compliant meals for it. So, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to project, project that, um, you know, I am, um, you know, the partner in the decision making for what the whole 30 has become. Gotcha, I can sure. definitely speculate it and go back to potatoes. And, um, but there is just very few changes that, you know, go back, you know, you go back to, all right, well, the, the nine, the whole nine rules, they're kind of applicable for life. And I think that, you know, as you run into more questions from the users, you know, you need to make decisions right or wrong, or do, is this in line with our value system and our, our, our core principles? And, um, you know, I mean, it's evolved from a, um, you know, a viral success coming out of, um, you know, wellness seminars at CrossFit gyms to New York Times bestsellers. And, you know, I mean, it's almost like you could tell when it, they're on, you're onto something when you have Newsweek hit pieces coming out against you on a regular basis saying it's the most uh, tragically wrong diet that you could ever do. Yeah, I got that feeling like we're onto the, we're onto something. Yeah, we're, like, the old yeah, we're cooking with gas. Uh, yeah, like with the pay for play, you know, is completely coming after, um, you know, and, and writing stuff that, that is trying to undermine, you know, um, what is just really a, a good program. So I think what's throwing it for a loop. And um, I remember one of the times I saw like, you know, within the paleo space, uh, like the food always made sense, but there came this idea that uh, as long as it was on the paleo, you know, let's say list of, you know, I, I always joked and called them like the 10 commandments, like it was carved in stone that these were the paleo foods carved you could eat in stone, carved in stone, carved in stone. Uh, I was going to go hacked in, but I'll, I'll go with, with carved. Um, that, that these foods fit within it. They existed, you know, X amount of years ago. They're good to eat. You're like, you know, green light go. And I remember uh, I had a client years ago and he came in with like this food log and he was, you know, 100% paleo and listed all these foods and he couldn't figure out why he wasn't able to gain weight and his body composition wasn't changing. And I started calculating it out and I was like, well, let's just do like a, you know, total caloric load on this thing. I'm like, you had seven tablespoons of honey today. Yeah, they're on the paleo diet. They're good though. I'm like, dude, you are eating like six to 7,000 calories a day. And he's like, yeah, but that shouldn't matter. I mean, it's all paleo food, right? Like, why should I have to count calories? And I'm like, all right, let's pull back and let's get into thermodynamics. And let's look at this, regardless of how, you know, where the foods or where they come from or how you class them. Uh, at the end of the day, like total caloric load versus total caloric burn, uh, unless we have some severe metabolic issues, is probably going to be paramount on terms of your ability to lean out, lose weight and get into this. The reason why I think a lot of people did very well in the paleo diet is it was all very like nutrient dense. And so they weren't able to consume the same amounts. But like you're naturally selecting for these extremely like 
calorically dense foods like a gang of honey and this. And we kind of went through it. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like you're still eating uh, a pretty carb heavy diet. And I went through this whole thing and the dude was just like giving me this solid, like couldn't understand why this happened. These foods, I was told that these are the foods. If I eat the foods off of this, I'll be in good shape. And I like, it was, uh, it was an exercise like in patience for me to try to explain this. And the guy never really understood it. And still to this day, I follow him on Facebook. He's still not in good shape. And it's just that that was kind of my break in this thing where it's like, yes, these foods do work better. If you look at like the general scheme and these are the shoot foods you can consume in terms of like the most, uh, um, you know, like nutritionally dense foods. But like you can still get into a situation where you're out of shape and really heavy if you overconsume, and uh, like that message, I remember thinking is going to be the downfall of this thing, and I think that was um, one of the harder pieces to explain to people, especially when they got into it. They got into this idea that they'd been told that hey, if I eat a paleo diet, I can eat as much as I want and I'll still be okay. And I even remember reading that on a couple paleo sites and being like, oh my god, this is going to be a downfall. This thing, and then people started you know building businesses around it. Like uh, my favorite was all like the paleo sweets which were incredible, but fuck, man, they were super you know, calorically dense as well. And I think people just started kind of carving out these little pieces of the niche of the business. And then everybody started putting up walls and then it became this infighting. And I, I was like, man, I think this thing's going to really spin out. And unfortunately, I think it did a little bit when the original message was so good. So it's interesting that Whole Food was able, or um, Whole 30 was able to go through and really just craft a solid message and really just get great traction with it because um, I knew somebody would. Was it the message or the recipes? Ooh, I'm going with you recipes because we got Richard on the podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would say, you know, the, the food will stand its test of time. It's real food. Um, you know, it's, it's made, you know, and given to us and it's not processed. Um, I mean, but the message is so important. And I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, you know Dallas and Melissa would, would have been the first to, to say that they needed to kind of separate themselves from paleo. I mean, rebrand, you know, branding themselves away, even though the whole 30 is, is based off of paleo principles, you know, I mean, like the, the, the food that you eat is based off the paleo diet principles. I mean, it was just a 30 day challenge of nothing but, and no cheats. Um, your, uh, the, the message of whole 30, it, it became a lot more agnostic, um, that to the, I mean, versus the paleo diet where, where it was just like, okay. Um, I mean, you're got a, got a lot of people walking around, um, you know, just almost getting in your face if you're breaking the rules and, you know, that's just, you know, it was off putting. I mean, you know, it was just the, it, it turned into a weird fest really quick. Yeah. Where's okay. your loincloth, bro? Why are you cooking that meat? Uh, I'm a raw paleo dude, guy. Dude, no, 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 no. So we had Is a dude. Yeah, I mean, like green if I showed you old, old um, you know, email messages from people just like that, you know, that were like, so glad that you're, you know, you're, you're carrying the torch forward. And it was like all these fucking posers over here, you know, like they're. They don't you know, believe. They, they, they they say they're paleo, but I mean, they're using honey. What the fuck is that? You know? And I mean, like, it was dude, just like, I mean, we, all that, I mean, you just crazy. We had a dude show up to our seminar that like that, that was, was the raw paleo dude. He was like, uh, no, um, I don't believe a caveman would have cooked his food. And so he was all mm -hmm. in this raw thing. So he was consuming this like massive, like a, uh, like what are like the big, uh, uh, like the big jars Growler. that you pickle pill, uh, pills or oh, uh, uh, yeah, like a big Mason jar. And he was, uh, it had, uh, raw eggs, 
this like cocoa chocolate. And then I like, I, fr- I think it was like raw cream or something. And he was consuming this fucking like elixir. He thought it was. And, um, the dude was really, really inflamed, man. He just like his whole body just looked inflamed. He was heavy. And like, he's like talking about how great this stuff is. And I'm like, well, dude, you're like the weakest dude at our seminar. Uh, you get gassed out. Like I'm going through all these things and I'm like, I'm not really seeing like the plus side <laughs> of what you're doing. And he ate all of his food raw. And, uh, I asked him, I'm like, you know, how, how's your digestion? He's like, Oh, it's great. I uh, take a massive dump after every single meal, usually middle, like towards the end, but a lot of times during it. And I was like, huh? So you're like, really? I'm like, uh, I think we need to take a step back, dude. You've gone a little too far. and I'm going to throw out a fucking, um, you know, a lifeline and try to pull you back a little bit. But man, once people went in, dude, they dug deep and they went real fucking deep. And like, I've never seen people go as deep. That's not true. The people I've seen, only people I've seen go deeper on the paleo thing are the vegans. Like but when the vegans go in, they go fucking all in, like all their chips too, which is always like, I get nervous of things where it's like, if I got to change the clothes and the people and my whole message, man, I'm a little nervous about it. So are you saying that the vegans who, uh, that, that decide they're going to go paleo as almost a response to, you know, <laughs> Well, the being vegan or, or is it they, or is it them going head to head? Well, yeah. I mean, so I, I posted something recently, um, you know, like one of the things that I, I'm never really happy, but like, like the, um, uh, we know the vegan diet doesn't reduce in greater health. I mean, it's in terms of sustainability. I mean, it depends on what the starting health is. Exactly. But I would say something like, uh, a a paleo esque, uh, real food diet compared to a vegan diet. The, uh, the diet with some form of rudiment is by far a healthier approach. And we've seen that over and over again for performance and everything. But the, the issue comes down to is once you kind of dissect that piece, the next one is like, Oh, sustainability. And we had uh, Peter Ballerstead on the podcast. We've had numerous other people. And it's like, no, the sustainability doesn't really factor out. There's not enough available real estate to develop enough calories to feed the amount of people we have on the planet right now. Um, okay, so we shot that one in. And we know that it doesn't uh, you know, result in um, you know, better sustainability. And then the, the next one always becomes this ethical argument where, oh, it's the killing of animals. Um, there's more bloodshed in actually the production of the vegan diet than there is in any other form of diet. And I posted an article where this guy had said, you know, the true vegan diet, if you're looking at creating one that results in less animal suffering is actually more similar to what you'd see within like a diet of like, uh, you know, rudiments with, um, uh, I think it was like wild, uh, like, uh, free range birds and like, you know, a, a diet that that's a diet of less suffering. And so I posted it up and all the vegan crazies came on and started attacking. And I actually had a bunch of guys that follow our training that are both ranchers and farmers. And the one guy's like, you know, I plow and do all everything for soy, corn and this. And he goes, the amount of animals that we kill every harbest would, uh, is, but he goes, I can't even tell you, you know, from ground nesting birds to squirrels to deer, everything, everything gets caught up in the combine. And he goes, that food is blood soaked beyond. And he's like, it's the least humane diet on the planet. And explaining that to these vegans who, you know, live in a in New York City and their vegan diet involves going to the local market and they never source their food. They never get out in, in terms of nature and see how this is produced. Couldn't fucking fathom this piece. And as I'm getting bashed on this deal, finally, this lady who is a pretty significant vegan made the claim. She's like, um, we never said being a vegan diet doesn't result in suffering. We just choose based off a hierarchy which animals we want to suffer more or less. 
And I was like, fucking screen wow. capture. That was all I needed to know. So now the moral high ground comes down to we are so evolved that we can decide which, uh, which animals have the right to live or which beings, sentient beings, whatever you want to call them, have the right to live over those others. So we like cows more than ground nesting birds and squirrels and deer. So then therefore we'll take the murder of those for our food source over this other deal. At that point, I was like, fucking screen capture. That's all I need to know about your diet, that you guys are fucking built on a, on a foundation of lies and bullshit. And, uh, they, and at that point, they all disappeared, and I never heard anything more from any of the vegans. So that was my take. It's because they're watching you quietly. Well, they should watch me. Uh, but it's, um, it's such a weird thing that, man, people kind of go in and they go into these things because it fits within their narrative. And then anything outside of their narrative, kind of like all of a sudden, hey, I follow a paleo diet. And now all of a sudden, you know, the talking heads got together and decided that why, maybe white potatoes are OK. And next thing you know, it fucking puts people into a tailspin, you know. So and then you get hate mail. Well, we still get hate mail because <laughs> we dared to put white, white potatoes on there. I mean, like, like what? Don't order it. <laughs> well, well, what's crazy is when we did all the diet stuff, I, I remember, and I know this is crazy because I got a bunch of hate mail on this, is I never really saw anybody have any adverse reactions to white rice, just plain white steamed rice. It was kind of like pure glucose. I just never really saw any like big reactions in terms of like blood work or any of the athletes we saw. Mm -hmm. And we got fucking hate mail about talking about, you know, hey, if you are a hard charging athlete, a CrossFit athlete, and you're having trouble maybe getting enough carbs or, you know, recovering in between workouts or, or you're whatnot. short on time. Or you're short on time. Rice. Yeah. You could throw a little rice in there on occasion and people lost their fucking minds on that one. And I was like, ah. Because I think it like it goes back to within this nutrition space, people tend to just have the perception that it's all or like you're all in on a decision. So that means oh, white rice is okay. That means I'm eating only white rice as my carbohydrate. Like that's what they perceive. You know what I mean? And let's say you're only eating ground beef, broccoli and white rice for, <laughs> I don't know, fucking 20 weeks trying to put on 40 pounds. You're going to end up fucked, but that's not what you're yeah. like. That's not what we're advocating. People just automatically go to the extreme and ride the guardrail of the extreme of the recommendation, you know? And that's why I think it get, people get so triggered on it. John Wilborn only wants me to eat white rice. That's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I think if they order off of like, let, let's say your menu and you're doing a food service deal and you have, let's say, 20 options, um, they should be able to eat through like kind of the Roy G. Biv, like rainbow of colors and kind of availability of, you know, because you're figuring out like how to kind of cycle the you know, the different offerings of, let's say, protein in this, and you kind of work through everything. I mean, instead of people just like eating the same thing every day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're changing it up for seasonality, you know, and um, I mean, and we're chefs running the business. So, I mean, we, we want it to be interesting, uh, you know, to make as well as flavorful for our customers. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we're tapping into every, every one of our allowed vegetables that, um, I mean, it, you know, one of our challenges that we run into because we, we prepare them and we freeze them is the, you know, the, the durability of some of the ingredients that we use. So, I mean, we're, you know, we run into that, but I mean, we, we go at lengths to, you know, to make a, a very good, you know, a variety of really delicious meals. 
Is it, um, so you guys make the decision to actually freeze everything instead of kind of sending it, I guess, uh, like, cause I'm sure some people ship it overnight and kind of, a, I guess you could say like a cold environment where they can kind of reheat it opposed from actually being frozen. So I've seen like a, I mean, it seems like everybody in their, I mean, you guys have been doing it a long time, but I mean, um, uh, who's the guy that I was on a podcast for like the guy from plated, uh, Nick Taranto, Tarianto. And uh, they do a meal service as well. And I know that uh, I've talked to, you know, it seems like within the last few years within space people, there's been a lot of meal delivery companies that have come out. And I, you know, people do it fresh. I mean, I remember back when I was playing the NFL, like Sunfair was real big. Uh, yeah. They used to send these Sunfair meals, um, which were awful, actually, now that I remember. Um, but the uh, but it seems like there's kind of a different camp. Like I always... Um, and this is just a side note, but my next door neighbor uh, was the largest exporter of seafood in the United States, a guy named Joe Capucho that owns Del Mar Seafoods. And he always told me, he goes, if you're going to eat fish, uh, make sure it's frozen first. And I said, why? He goes, dude, when we catch stuff on our, fi- on our boats, we have these huge freezing facilities and literally the fish come out of the water into the freezer. And he goes, uh, a lot of the fresh fish is just put on ice. And he goes, the quality of fish is usually higher when it's frozen. But the problem is here in America, we have this like negative connotation with frozen. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, believe me, dude, I, I only eat frozen. You know, I, I want to have frozen fish that I bring it up. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I didn't know that. And he goes, it's I just the, kind of the connotation of it. Um, but I just didn't know if like the shelf stability or what the quality of the food is better because you guys cook it, you, fr- you flash freeze it and then you ship it out. So it probably reheats pretty bit, a little bit better, but I'm sure there's a ton of stuff with, uh, you know, how to make sure that the, the meat is moist and not dried out and vegetables and all that. So, I mean, I guess that's the, that's the, the skill of being a chef, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, those were all the challenges we had to work through when we first started, uh, making these prepared meals, it was, um, it, we were going about it with, with fresh and we were finding that our customers had, okay, they would order the meals, but they would leave some in the fridge and they would find that they had waste at the end of the week. So they were losing the value of, of, you know, us preparing the meals. I mean, if they were leaving three meals out of 10, you know, 30% of their investment was just going into the garbage. And so, you know, we got that feedback. Um, and you know, I mean, from a, a business standpoint of, of, you know, being able to, uh, make a par amount of meals. Okay, we're going to do, you know, a, you know, we're going to streamline the amount of recipes that we do, and we can actually inventory. Um, freezing made more sense, uh, just because, uh, you know, we could offer a competitive price to go along with the fact that we were making meals that really, I mean, we were dovetailing into lifestyles that are encouraging people to get in the kitchen and cook for themselves. So what are we doing? We're a supplement to that where it's almost like we're an emergency kit to that. Mm. So instead of making that, that decision to go to a lesser quality food, um, you know, I mean, like lesser between uh, the ingredient quality, we are offering something that is right in your you know, freezer that you could temper in your fridge and heat up the next day with just a very little bit of planning and you're ready to go. You could travel. I could take uh, meals on the plane like I, I do very often because I mean, it, you know, if you can reheat them in your hotel, you're a, a traveler. I mean, it's always one of those pushbacks. Like, how do I do this on the road? I mean, I don't want to spend half my day looking for a, a decent meal when I'm on the road. So, I mean, like all those sorts of things were uh, context to um, making the the choice to go to frozen. But I, I mean, I've been able to keep competitive 
uh, costs on my meals as a result. When you're doing it fresh, I mean, you are having to overnight the meals. Uh, you're making one menu. Um, you know, like, I mean, if you wanted to order from me, you could get a month's worth of food at a time at, you know, at a, at a pretty reasonable cost. Whereas if you're going to a fresh made, um, you're going to have a limited menu and they're going to overnight it to you. And, um, and you're going to have to eat it right there. Otherwise you're going to throw it in the freezer. So, um, we're kind of doing that work on the front end for you and giving you, giving just a, a, a better chance of you using all the meals that you get from us. And, uh, and that was just a value proposition that we're giving our customers. Um, but yeah, chefing it up for sure was, I mean, like th this did not happen overnight. There's a, a trial and error for every business decision we, we make, um, you know, putting, putting food in a FedEx box, um, looked a lot different, you know, seven, eight years ago than it does now. I mean, how tightly it's done and, you know, and how we cook the food, we, we make, um, assumptions about, you know, when we have to stop the cooking process because then we're going to blast chill it to, you know, to cool it off and we're going to make it. So there's still moisture in there and there's still, you know, there's, there's still an enjoyable, you know, food experience, which is critical because I mean, it's not going to be sustainable if it's just, if it tastes like an MRE. Yeah. And then yeah, also so. uh, how it's reheated. And I'm sure you guys have gone through all the process. And even though you probably said, Hey, you can do it in the microwave here. You're, you probably know that, Hey, if I, if I heat this up at like, you know, 275 or 300, uh, in the oven, it's probably a little bit better. And, um, man, I'm sure there's a whole process too, in terms of like how to reheat this to create the best advantage so that when the person has it, they have the best product. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, I, my, my personal, um, preference is actually to throw it in a frying pan because then I can put a, a little bit of water in with the meal, cover it with, uh, cover it with a lid and then steam it to reheat it because that actually imparts a little bit more moisture, but it heats it up very quickly. I mean, water, you know, moist heat is going to cook it faster than if you're going to throw it in the oven and, you know, which ultimately is going to lend itself to dry in it a little bit too. And then, you know, microwave is, you know, it's going to be a textural thing. Uh, but I mean, people work with what they have and, you know, their, their expectations are, are kind of, you know, we, we, we try, we try our best to, you know, set people up for success uh, with it and, you know, set expectations where they are. So what would you say your biggest uh, hurdle is in terms of like running the business? Is it sourcing the food, cooking the food, making sure the facility or just on the customer side trying to. Uh, I feel like shipping would be complicated. Uh, I bet you. Well, I'm, I'm, you're going two day, three day, one day. Well, I mean, uh, in the bit like and, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have you know split tested this, but people would rather pay a little bit more for the meal and get free shipping than actually pay less and then pay for the shipping. For some reason, people fucking hate paying for shipping. I'm well, sure that's a psychological that. thing right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a psychological thing. Yeah, we, 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 we learned that from the jump. So, um, you know, I just background on that was that we were charging, uh, you know, as an a la carte line item for shipping when we first uh, started this business, like when I it morphed from my catering to what I do now. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to give live FedEx rates. People were like, there's no fucking way I'm going to pay $45 for, to, to get my meal shipped to me, um, you know, that's 50% increase in the cost of my, my meals. Okay. All right. Well, these are $125 and you, you pay $5 for shipping done. I mean, that's, I mean, we, that, we've that's seen a psychology it too. test right there. Yeah, well, no, people, you know, I mean, 
people have a hard time wrapping their head around shipping. Like it's, it's the craziest part. And then it shows up and it shows up, I'm sure in like a big styrofoam box on ice. And like, you're like, okay, not only have to pay for the, you know, cause we do uh, like, like a, we get like meat boxes from stay classy, uh, which is our, mm-hmm. you know, uh, these guys that do Buffalo, which uh, uh, I'm fucking in love with Buffalo. I would like to this day, if like I never ate another, uh, you know, uh, cow steak and I just ate nothing but buffalo, I'd be fucking over the moon. My kids love it. Like for some reason, it just has a better taste to me. And so this this uh, this company ships this buffalo and it comes in like a big box and it's got styrofoam and it's got frozen. And I like always look at like the amount of weight and how it's all set up. And I'm like, God damn it. Like it's just rolled in there because that's what you have to do. But all the, you know, the shipping, the handling, the ancillary, getting it there on time because you don't want it to, you know, defrost and you lose out on 30 pounds of meat. So, I mean, there's a, a ton of stuff associated with it. And then I also, which is pretty cool, they send me an email when it gets delivered because we live um, about a quarter of a mile down the road. So then I race out to the out to the gate to go pick it up because I don't want it to sit out here in Texas, which this time of year is fine. But in the summer, yeah, once it gets warm. fucking everything burns. So, um, but yeah, I could just imagine like the logistical nightmares of like when it's delivered or the people home, how long can it sit outside before it runs into problems? And unfortunately, you know, those are problems with the shipping company, but because people handed you the money, it's your problem. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we cede control to FedEx um, and, you know, as soon as it leaves our dock, but you know, we are basically, you know, nursing that all the way to them opening their door and, and finding their box on their front door. I mean, it's, and that's a constant struggle. I mean, you know, this time of year, I mean, I, right before I got on this call, I received an email from my ops manager with, I think about eight um, shipments that are not going to go out because of the latest winter storm. Um, You know, you you were asking about how many days we put it in transit. We go between one and three days maximum in transit. Um, You know, that's, that's kind of how we roll when we're shipping out to the West coast you know, we have to do a, you know, an, an express fee that we pass along to the customers. But the reality is, um, you know, and we use plant-based, um, I'm not plant-based, uh, recyclable materials for our, uh, our coolers. We use uh, recycled uh, water bottles. And so like those, you can imagine are a premium over styrofoam, first of all, but you know, they're just not built solid like a styrofoam cooler. So, you know, what's going to happen is you, you know, you, you can't put, uh, you have seven pounds of, uh, ice that will sublimate per day in transit. So if I'm sending something out to LA from Atlanta and that's a four day transit on the ground, you know, upwards in the the Northwest, it's even more, sometimes it's five and even seven days. Um, you know, we have to put that on a plane just because it's not going to work. Otherwise you have this big cavity, you know, a big block of dry ice. If you're putting 30 pounds of dry ice in a box, when it sublimates, there's, you basically have a, a a brick of ice just knocking around in there and that's people's food that they paid for. So by the time it gets there, you have splits in the, in the boxes and all that. So, yeah, I mean, not, not to go too much farther in the, the drama that is the, uh, the shipping piece of the business, but it, it's probably the most, um, you know, it's constantly an unknown. The one thing that we know is it's going to suck. It's go- like we have waste. <laughs> we, 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 we have, we, we have, we have loss that we have to basically factor into it. 
But why not? Uh, uh, we why we not never re- make money shipping. <laughs> you know? uh, why not regional kitchens? I mean, you guys are based out of Atlanta. Like, if you had a, I mean, you're probably when you said you're out in Inglewood, LA. I figured, you know, maybe you guys are out there setting up a regional kitchen. But it seems like if you had two hubs with like two good commercial kitchens that could get it done, it almost seems like it could cut down on shipping and costs. And you know, now all of a sudden you had kind of have it. I mean, that's at least what I always kind of imagined. Like, uh, whenever, I mean, I'm not kidding, man. I I get an email from like. Uh, I mean, try like uh, some form of meal delivery. It seems like I get something almost every day. And uh, for the most part, like, uh, yeah, I, it's probably, uh, you know, having somebody like a whole 30, like uh, associated with your product probably is, is, you know, what allows people to differentiate. Cause I look at it and I'm like, ah, like my wife likes, um, she's like, Oh, it's always nice to have meals. So it's always nice to find somebody local that does it so it can get there and like less shipping costs and whatnot. So I always wonder as your company grows and you get bigger, if it looks at like regional kitchens to try to world domination. Well, I, yeah, you're, you're spot on with it. Um, we haven't had the, the scale where it made a lot of sense because when I, when I actually started a, another, like a parallel operation out in Texas to, to really just kind of flush out this idea that you're talking about, it had to, um, you know, it had to pay for itself with the additional, I mean, like I could, I could certainly partner with another manufacturer, you know, which is IE a caterer or some restaurant or something like that, that would do the meals that we have. So we would be giving our recipes to them and having them produce those and ship from them. Um, you know, alternatively, we do a regional kitchen where we actually set it up from the ground up. And um, it was just never we saw where we saw, OK, we have we're, we're losing out on a lot of money because we're not staged in Texas or somewhere in the central that can service the West better. Um, the, the West Coast is about 20 um, percent of our business, um, mm-hmm. you know, out of. Seventy percent uh, is within two days of us up uh, from Boston down to Miami and out to Texas, and um, so we can service that from Atlanta very well. Um, I mean, but I mean, to the point of having regional kitchens, we could also diversify our offering because you know you can have uh, people that are you know in the in the Southwest region that have completely different food preferences than you know our um, our our, you know, style that we cook out of the Southeast, um, you know, that's still a classic French inspired, but I mean, we're, we're not hitting as much of the the flavor profiles that you would find out in, in Texas and in New Mexico, Arizona areas. Um, no, I mean, it's, it, the it's got a lot of pieces, there. man. <laughs> oh, oh, that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very complicated, um, you know, business to grow and really get, you know, I mean, like, World domination is still on the on the table, and 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 really the only way to do that is to to figure out this piece that you're talking about. Okay, well, do you, but you do a, you identify yourself as a marketing company or as a as a production company? Sure. You know that's that's one of those things that um, you know it has to be established to grow because you're going to be the manufacturing company well you should be the manufacturing company for all the marketing companies out there yeah you're getting something from trifecta or factor 75 or you know true fair hopefully i mean you're but i hope you're getting you're probably getting touched by a different meal service every day if you scroll your social media you probably got 20 hitting you while you're catching up and um but you know that would be 
that's that's one approach is to be the provider of those meals um you know for all those brands because i mean the internet is it and technology has made it easier and easier to start a website start a company to do what we do i mean i was i i think i'm on probably my 15th iteration of websites in the past eight years wow and um you know and so th- there is another challenge i mean yeah, I, w- but, I went to Georgia Tech. I'm a smart guy, but I mean, I, I definitely knew where my strengths were and they weren't in um, in designing websites. So that's yeah, one but of like the food is like many months. It, it seems like to me that the food is paramount. Like if the food is good and it shows up, like I know for me um, and uh, I am we run into this constantly. I am the world's fucking worst consumer. Like uh, I'm never the market like I. Uh, uh, I don't care what the website looks like. I don't need to be, you know, hand jobbed into it. I just want the food to show up. And when I prepare it, I want it to be one, I want it to be good. And two, I want there to be enough of it. I know we get some meal service and I was like, this is it. I'm going to have to eat like four of these things. And like, that was, uh, um, so I always thought like places where you could kind of adjust the portions and say, Hey, you know what? Like this is, you know, this is the table uh, or my daily caloric load. This is what I want each meal to look like. So you can kind of adjust the portions a little bit. I always thought yeah. that was beneficial. And then, um, you know, I'm, I don't really like, I could eat the same thing every day, but I like pretty much, uh, like the same thing, but I want a little bit of variety. Like I want to eat meat, but I also want to like rotate vegetables and this. And so the problem was, is when I looked at a lot of the meals, they were so different. Of course, I always thought like, man, if I could just get like just the same meal, but just like 10 different variations. And, uh, but then I always go back and Luke's the first one to tell me being like, dude, you are the worst fucking consumer and market for this thing. I mean, I'd wear the same black t-shirt every day, whereas other people are like, no, I need to be look for the 4,000 calorie <laughs> meal. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, see what you're touching on is, is, you know, what we have, we have certainly had to flesh out what is right. going to be, you know, from a business standpoint, we have to serve as many people as we can to make our, 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 our business viable. And so, you know, digesting everything that, you know, you, you say, you, you know, our, our marketing partners say our customers, you know, really are, are our best source of feedback. You know, you definitely have to kind of sift through a lot of the, you know, the, you know, the, the excess information that they give you, but because uh, social media and, and review sites are very, you know, perfect platform for people to be candid and overly candid. But that's how we change and grow and get our make our product better. But I mean, you know, after being in business, this is our eighth year now doing this. We've actually cut down our options. Um, that's really to the chagrin of a lot of stakeholders. But the the less options and just kind of like dialing it into okay, where where are most of our customers ordering? What are they getting? Okay, so what are we? What can we do the best in these categories? And that's what we're going to offer. Because, I mean, it helps us streamline it. I mean, and, you know, as, you know, costs continue to, um, to climb because they always will, you know, we're able to stay competitive with like giving our best. And, um, like, you know, we used to offer a, a, a warrior package for somebody like yourself. I mean, and that was the eight ounce protein, you know, and, and uh, seven ounce vegetable side. So, I mean, if somebody, somebody who had a bigger appetite, um, you know, could, you know, that, that spoke to them. Um, and then, you know, we found that, all right, well, we're making all these, but we're always having to figure out how many do we need to make because we're making these frozen. So we're making them in advance. And sometimes they would just stay on their shelves for a long time. So, you know, we've 
we just kind of say, all right, if it's, you know, we do skew rationale and that's what it comes down to. All right. We might, uh, a year ago we had 150 different skews and we're trying to cut it down to 40, you know, I mean, that's major, but when we're not seeing a real change in our, in our, um, in our, in our revenues as a result, you know, it builds, you know, you, you get validation on that. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the product and product development, AKA like bringing new recipes on, or like, I guess the fun stuff for you, right? All this business jargon. Right. Blah. So what's the process <laughs> of going through the recipes? Is it, do you just dream something up and wake up and you're like, I'm going to try this one out or you got to, you know, I guess talk, talk us through that part. part. So, um, it's, it's a, uh, a lot, a lot of it is telling a story. It's bringing forward experience that I had, um, you know, in my catering days, that's when I was a personal chef, I would work, I would do, uh, host weddings at event facilities. I used to be uh, Jerome Bettis's personal chef. And, you know, it's kind of like how I got into making prepared meals in these sous vide packages. I would, right after he retired from the Steelers, he moved down. I do to love sous vide. I do love sous vide. Oh, you do? No, right? yeah. I mean, no, like, so yeah. that's basically, you know, we took those packages and we would, we would make individual meals for he and his wife and we would, and I would bring them up and, uh, you know, I'm, you know, showing him how to, you know, just kind of gently cook these up in water. And so anyway, they, these ideas were kind of born back then because they were like, it was a, it was an experience. It might've been a celebration. Um, it might've been just something that was a hit back, back when in, in catering days, or, um, we tap into the experiences of our chefs that are working in, in house, um, you know, the different backgrounds that they're bringing in and we like to give them a, a chance to, you know, express themselves, you know, through food. So we craft these different recipes. Um, and, you know, and that's really, it, it, it's coming from our heart. And then, the other part of it is, okay, now this needs to meet this kind of technique. Um, you know, since we are, um, we, we want to have more fat in our meats uh, because it's going to be less apt to dry. It's going to actually have more of a nutritional value for the, the space that we're serving. Um, and we're, and so we're going to, you know, choose these cuts of meat and we're going to use these, these kinds of sauces that we know we're going to hold up to the freezing process as well as being a classical style sauce that we're making. And, um, and then we're using, you know, really just kind of uh, straight cooking techniques of, of braising and grilling and roasting and, um, and steaming. And so, you know, with all that, like kind of technique, that's how all these different um, recipes come to life. I mean, one of our best sellers, um, you know, is a, it was based on a story. I was on the phone and it, I mean, back to it's Melissa Hartwig's, uh, it's Melissa's chicken hash. And, and what I did was I got on the phone with her one day and we were, we we're kind of catching up. We both have, um, we both have sons that, that are similar age. So, and we were pretty early into that parenthood and we were talking and, um, and I asked her, I was like, what do you eat for breakfast on a regular? And she told me, and, um, and I was like, we need to make that. That sounds awesome. I think, and it completely fits what we're talking about here. And so, um, I, I, I crafted that into a recipe that is like our number one selling skew. So, I mean, it's, um, so, I mean, that's kind of what goes into it. I mean, it, it's, it's a bit of, you know, personal inspiration. It's the other part of it is technique and it's, and it's carrying forward a story. 
Yeah, because we're poking around here on the site and just kind of looking up all the meals. You got a couple dozen on here, man, and I'm getting hungry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, what go, what thought has to go into launching, let's say, a new recipe or a new product, or is that a continual cycle as foods become available or in season, things like that? Yeah. So uh, throughout the year, um, you know, you have, I mean, the vegetables are going to be the pivots for um, for changing the recipes out because. You know, this time of year, you're getting, um, well, I mean, you know, we're kind of breaking into the spring, but, you know, let's just say we're in winter. I mean, the, the availability of, of winter vegetables and, and us using them, um, you know, will drive, you know, the, you know, the, the, the different side dishes. The proteins are really like, okay, well, let's, let's uh, kind of rotate a whole slew of proteins. I mean, like we've made hundreds of different recipes. And so it's a lot of it is, okay, well, this pair up with this one that has done well, uh, historically. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're always trying to kind of recreate and make it a little bit more interesting than last time we did it, because I mean, that just kind of keeps us, uh, fresh as well. But I mean, you know, it comes down to my chef de cuisine walking in and she showing me a new idea that she has. And we, we flush it out, you know, we were like, okay, does this, what is this pair? Well, does this pair well with multiple options that we have? Um, you know, do we see our, is it meeting our, our criteria? Like, all right, if you're in the autoimmune world, I mean, you know, you got to pull out seed-based spices and, 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 you know, and various, various other elements of it. Nuts can't be in there. So like, you know, we got to make sure that it hits as many different, you know, levers as we, we can while we're crafting it. That's legit, man. You guys got anything else? No, I think it... I'm just wondering when we get to meals. Yeah, I think I think I think we're uh, we're we're certainly going to have them in in uh, in in your offices. Um, I would say, but within a week or so. Oh, like, awesome! I can't wait. Address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll definitely kick yeah, you over your address. Is, all you got to do is ask a chef for food, and they're <laughs> generally pretty pretty willing to share. Ah, oh, damn I, it, dude. I, I, yeah, unfortunately, Dude, awesome. we didn't marry chefs. That's a uh, what a yeah, mistake. Yeah, my, my wife's a little bit uh, spoiled that way. Uh, I was going to ask, like, do so. You know, we're we're in like the you could say like in the fitness realm, right? And then if our family asks us, we're kind of in the fitness realm. Fitness advice. Well, we we like to we're steeped in performance, uh, right? Like, so okay, mom's okay. not going to ask me how she gets her bench press up, but she may <laughs> ask me like, hey, how do I? I want to lose some weight for your wedding coming up, like last year. And then you give family this advice, and you're like, fuck that, that's too hard. I want to do that. So does your family like when they ask for advice, or they they ask you to cook a meal? Do they appreciate it, or, or do they just get like, out of the kitchen nah, and they're like, I've had Go. better. Probably a little bit of all those, you know, in terms of, I mean, like, you know, uh, they, they ask for advice. They ask me to help out and they also get out of the kitchen. (laughs) um, You know, sometimes, I mean, that's just a perfect zone for me to be in. And uh, my wife knows the look that I have, but when I give her, that's like, just get, keep the kids and the dogs away and I will knock out and make a great dinner. Just give me 40 minutes. All right. And so, that might be it. Um, my, um, my, on both sides of my family, when we're having uh, special events, I mean, I'm usually, it's usually assumed that I'm going to be yeah. doing the cooking if I'm going to be on site and I'm happy to, I mean, like I, I want food to taste as good as it possibly can every time I eat it. So 
put me to work, you know, yeah. if, if possible. I mean, I, I really actually, um, have the, I, I have the luxury of, uh, working close to my, my house. I mean, it hasn't always been the case. So, but I cook every meal at home, uh, as a result. I mean, like, I mean, I'm, I'm up in the morning. I mean, whenever possible, I cook breakfast, but there's definitely, I mean, every dinner that is available, I'm out here for 48 hours every week. So I miss five days. I miss two days out of seven, but otherwise I'm cooking. And that's a real gift because I actually don't cook very often for my own business. You know, I have a team that takes care of, I mean, a a fantastic job that they do. And, uh, but it really is not appropriate for me to be in the kitchen unless, Mm -hmm. you know, we're working on a recipe or I'm tasting it afterwards. So I'm cooking for, I mean, for me, cooking is a gift that, you know, I give to people I love and really to raise money for charity. And that's the only time you really see an apron on me. That's awesome. So you're telling me if you're over like at a friend's house or, you know, a friend of a friend. Sounds and like me, up. It sounds like me at the barbecue. I said, I go over to people's places. I'm like, let me cook this meat. Yeah, I look, cook, a, you, lot, do you I ever cook like a lot of steaks. Nudge people out of the way and like, listen, let me just take care of this. <laughs> the way you're no, handling that special is expensive. Do you really? Well, I mean, oh yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, like there, there's nudges or there's just kind of suggestions that I can make. I mean, I, I can certainly know how to finesse my way into the con because <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, um, I think it's important. And I mean, I, I wouldn't want anybody to be embarrassed around because people have this almost like this, this, this uneasiness. Oh, I'm cooking for a chef. I'm like, all right, well, let me help them. You know, yeah, I yeah. mean, and, but, but I mean, people, I well, mean, people I'm have strange egos, people man. worried about it. Well, well, I think people have ego, whereas I just want to eat the best food. Either it's me. Like I always kind of figure it's like the most able person cooks. So, uh, like if you're no good at cooking, like be like, yeah, I'm not very good. I'll be like, no problem. I will gladly cook. Mm-hmm. Like my, my brother, Eddie is, uh, uh, he has a nasty tendency for overcooking the steaks and it's like this huge fucking family issue. I'm like, don't overcook that meat. And then my brother's wife, will, she'll be like, Eddie, don't overcook that meat. And it becomes our family joke. So we're always out there like, Hey, do I need to take over? Cause I'll push you out of the way and fucking make sure these steaks aren't overcooked. Kind of reminds <laughs> me of a, a pizza night we had at the Wellborn house in 2016 where yeah. my, my now wife, I'm, her friends, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a big pizza guy. So, um, but we have like a power athlete pizza recipe. That's epic. yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so John was whipping up some pizzas for, for myself, my wife, her friend and her husband, uh, I think maybe they were married at the time. I don't know. But anyway, so I'm, dude, I spent like six years working at Pizza Hut. Now, by no means is, am I saying like I know how to fucking spin a good pizza, but I know how to load a pizza. And I'm watching John heap up all these toppings well, like yeah, a volcano. He, yeah, like a send, a, I center loaded the pizza. Yeah. And so these fucking <laughs> yeah. assholes, right? So like it didn't cook all the way through. Like, I don't know how to cook pizza. I can make the crust and I can make everything else. But if somebody had just been like, hey, man, you need to probably like even them out a little bit so it cooks a little more even, it would have made total sense. I just needed a little bit of direction. So this guy that was there who like, so, he's all right. Yeah. Guy. So yeah, he's, he's not that. He's, he's kind of a douche. Uh, he was looks buddy he no, uh he, his family yeah well he's not your friend uh he uh, his family owns like what like six fucking pizza parlors yeah and he's like full-time pizza guy. yeah he's like that's his how he oh, makes okay. it and and the guy doesn't say a fucking word and then the pizza comes out and he's fucking yeah he's fucking tearing it up and i was like ah uh, and then he and i was like what are you he's like well actually my family owns six pizza places it's all i've done my entire life i look at the guy and i'm like hey fucking asshole <laughs> If you're the fucking pizza master, pizza boy, speak the fuck up. Do I look like I eat fucking pizza? I'm over here cooking and you're making me look like an asshole. I'm like, <laughs> it's just like, it's just like the airport. If you see something, say something. Yeah. That was so yeah, funny. Thank you. I mean, like, no, that, that is completely on him. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, how, yeah. how are you to be held responsible? I mean, you, you got, you got people who have enough, you know, 
experience to add up to about 30 years of pizza experience yeah. and they're watching you go down i mean like you're gonna let your well, brother go down and, uh, and, yeah, then, I will. and, and then yeah just well, so we can bring it up right? <laughs> so, and he's like i expect that from you from and you. the guy didn't say a fucking word and then uh and then we're sitting down to eat and he's like oh yeah it's not cooked all the way through this and i'm like look at the guy i'm like hey What's up, Pizza Boy? He's like, oh, my family owns. All. I was like, uh, I'm fucking insulted. Man, that was great. And center he's like, loader. yeah, yeah he's like, he's loader. like, you're a center loader. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck that guy. Uh, but like, uh, yeah. and I, I and I said to him, I got no ego about this. I just want to have the best pizza possible. And if your information can make my pizza better, and you fucking kept it from me, I'm insulted. And now I'm gonna punch you in your yeah, face. Yeah, so John punched him in the face, and you know, mm-hmm. that was the end of that. That was the end of that. And, and, he, and then he book. died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's go work out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, but but we but we yeah. do it all the time, man. Like like when we go lift weights or we're training or something, yes. and like I see somebody doing something fucked up, I like usually walk over and I'll be like, "Hey, man, it's fucked up." Now the problem is if you put us in a commercial setting where people are doing a whole bunch of fucked up things, then all of a sudden we just look like assholes, and at that point you're like, "I'm good." Yeah. Well, then you become valuable, and then like everybody's coming over to you for fucking help. Well, like, we we like I said, we were out in Northern California working with these kids that were getting ready for the NFL Combine. Are you gonna talk about the pizza or the training? Well, I'm gonna talk about both. Okay. We went. Uh, uh, there's a pizza place in Berkeley, uh, in Oakland, Berkeley, called Zachary's Pizza, it's which is like the best pizza on the planet. So I took Tex there. On National Pizza Day? On National Pizza Day. And uh, Tex is like, oh, how good could it be? This fucking thing came out. And I mean, it's four inches. Like, it's a deep dish, like four inch, like pizza pie that comes out. And we cut into it. And like the look on Tex's face is like, I think like this is the like, it's so calorically dense. So I asked him. Has anybody ever done a nutritional analysis? Like, do you know what, like, the caloric, like, a load, like, like what the, uh, the amount of calories in each pizza? And the lady looks at me and she's like, oh, God, no. And then she's like, well, let me ask. And so she goes and asks her manager. And I'm watching the look on his face was like, are you like, we don't want that answer. <laughs> like, like, are you out of your mind? So she comes back and she's like, ah, uh, nobody's like, maybe we kind of know. And I was like, man, there's probably like seven, 800 calories per piece. Like I weigh and measure my food. I'm pretty sharp on like the amount of cheese. And like, yeah, I just have like five a cups of cheese. Oh right? dude, I got a spider sense on this. And, uh, and like they, 30 minutes later, the manager comes back with this like <laughs> sheet of paper from 1983. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> he's a like small cheese. Yeah. He, he's like, we had a small cheese pizza and they claimed it was 200. 70 calories per slice and i'm like that's bullshit he's like i think so too <laughs> i just think that they've been in business for 35 plus years and he's they've never had anybody ask what like how many calories are in this or this and he's like we've never had anybody asking frankly we hope they never will they should just have a good time and i'm like <laughs> fuck yes this is what i want to have out of my pizza place mm-hmm. instead of like you know like the calories next to it like man that's um but yeah but and then the other piece was Oh, uh, so we were working with these kids from the combine and, uh, we were in there lifting weights. And like, even though I was there just to work some technique, all of a sudden we see them training and doing some fucked up shit. We jumped in and were like, these guys were so thankful that they were like, Oh man, I didn't realize I was doing this wrong. And now that you make this relationship. So I, th- I always think that, uh, you have to be in like a growth mindset. Like, Hey, are you willing to take feedback? Like if we were cooking and you had good feedback for me or, you know, Hey, you should do this or just get the fuck out of the way. Either way, I'm just happy to eat good food. So however it happens. Just like I want to lift good weights. So easy enough. That's awesome. Richard, thanks for the time. Power Athlete Nation, head over to True Fair. Check out the meals. It looks super tasty. The, I mean, the photos are great. The plating is great. Yeah, it, it looks well, awesome, man. Just heads up. These guys have their computer open. And I can see the meals scrolling <laughs> over, and I'm like, God damn it, I'm hungry. Well, they, they got alpaca. Uh, oh. So I don't know how to cook it or how it tastes, but I don't know. It looks awesome. That's great, man. Do you, do you know what an alpaca is? Yeah, I had to look it up. It's like a... Harry Llama. 
It's delicious. <laughs> Richard, what what else? Where else should folks go if they want to check check you out? Check out the True Fair deal. Where should they go? Social websites. What's up? Yeah, you can follow us on social. Um, we're um, at True Fair, T R U E F A R E, and our our Facebook is at My True Fair, and uh, Twitter at True Fair as well. And then TrueFair.com is our website, and. Um, we're, we're pretty active on Instagram, um, not so much on Twitter, um, as well as Facebook. So, um, yeah, you, you can find us there. Definitely reach out if you have any questions on the website. Guys, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I mean, this, was, this was awesome, and um, I'm looking forward to feeding you uh, probably, oh, probably before this is even uh, broadcast. So we'll make sure and uh, get that over to you and, and, and uh, get your feedback there. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Safe guys. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Take a peek at all of the delicious meals and very affordable packages offered by Chef Bradford by visiting shop.truefair.com. You can also get some savory inspiration by heading to their Instagram page. Until next time, bye!